Welcome to Dig It. This is The Speaker. I'm here with my co-host, Sharp Edge, and Corey Lynn of Corey's Digs. How are you guys doing? Good. Hey. I'm doing great. Busy, busy. How about you? I'm pretty good. I had to chase a cow the other day to get out of my house. <laughs> he sent us videos. It was great. <laughs> I, I posted it on my, on my Twitter. Everyone oh, did you? It. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that cracked me up. I'm watching it going... Oh my God, if I had a cow in my backyard, I'd be going out there to pet him and say hi. <laughs> so we sorted it out. So that, that was my workout. But yeah, interesting day. Today, we're going to ramble on about some things kind of like we did last week. We're going to talk a little bit about Obama trying to take credit for the economy. The Boy Scouts go bankrupt. McCabe, Chris Murphy and the Logan Act. Did he commit treason? The Virginia gun ban victory. Soros asking Obama to investigate. And what else we got, girls? Oh, I have a whole bunch of stuff to ramble about. I've been working on this book like hardcore, 12 hours a day. So I haven't, I, I know all the headlines of what you guys are talking about and I can't wait to hear more. But I have, I have other things to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just totally winging it. And, uh, and then I have another few points on here that other people know that came up in the news. So we'll just, we're just going to kind of like bounce around and, and see where this all goes. Yeah, I think yeah. that the theme this week is more like, you know how last week we talked all about winning. To me, it looks more like this week is moves and counter moves. Yep. But, but we're also going to talk about agendas and some stuff with Corey's book and the things that you're uncovering. So, And your article definitely. that you just put out today. It seemed to have got a pretty good response. Yeah, definitely. Kick us off with one. We got a lot to cover here. Yeah, let's roll into it, kids. Last Friday, everybody was really justifiably angry when the news broke that the DOJ would not seek to prosecute Andy McCabe for the criminal referral submitted by the Office of the Inspector General. And I can understand that. I was justifiably angry as well. But we have to remember that this criminal referral that the IG referred was only for charges by the IG of lying to the FBI and the IG regarding media leaks. There was nothing in this criminal referral regarding the setup of Flynn, signing off on these altered 302s of Flynn's interview, or even just in general, the participation in the entire Crossfire Hurricane operation. That's the much bigger picture here that we need to see. And there's no doubt in my mind that this Durham investigation will uncover Andy McCabe's participation in that conspiracy and the unlawful spying on the Trump campaign. And many are going to be prosecuted, and I believe Andy McCabe as well. So we did get some great news also on the same day as the Andy McCabe news broke, and that was that due to the mishandling of Roger Stone's case, Barr assigned an outside prosecutor to review the details of the Flynn case. And in doing this, the prosecutor will undoubtedly see how the FBI agents altered the Flynn 302 in order for it to be approved by McCabe. And I think this outside prosecutor is going to, you know, uncover a lot of things, including how the prosecutor Van Grack, how he was withholding exculpatory evidence, including the original 302. And I think this is actually what is going to not only exonerate Flynn, but it's going to lead to and possibly even lead to Flynn, the dismissal of Flynn's case, but I think it's going to lead into this bigger picture of the in, bigger investigation where Andy McCabe and so many others are involved 
and where indictments against these individuals and the FBI and the DOJ will eventually start to roll out. We have to remember that spring summertime is the estimation of when Barr said Durham's investigation is going to reach important watershed. So that's kind of the big picture with Andy McCabe. Well, and then, like you say, moves and counter moves. You know, everyone went completely nuts when that news hit. And within an hour, I'm pretty certain it was like within an hour, then it was released the document that Lindsey Graham signed, which I don't have in front of me. But that had to do with looking into the whole crossfire hurricane, didn't it? Yeah, absolutely. He was asking for documents and for testimony of people that participated in crossfire hurricane. And so, and you're right, it happened almost exactly after, you know, this news of Andy McCabe dropped. And the way I'm looking at this is these are not each individual instances or matters. I'm looking at them as as a whole, and they're Mm -hmm. each just one domino. I feel like it's orchestrated that things are falling in a timely manner. And so one domino in itself, you're like, oh, that didn't you know, that didn't make the mark, like this Andy McCabe news of no seeking prosecution for the criminal referral by the IG. But in the bigger picture of it, I feel like it's just one piece laid out in a timely manner, but these other things are going to start falling into place. And I agree. I can still understand people's frustration, though. When you keep seeing this stuff over and over, it does start playing with your head. It does it start, does start making you angry and as you start seeing this two-tier justice system always seem to be going the other way. So I completely understand. It goes in the same as Chris Murphy, with this Logan Act thing, which we'll get into in a minute. I definitely can understand where these people are coming from. I mean, we all have moments of doubts like that. Right. And it doesn't help that you got Lisa Page trying to taunt people sitting there with a glass of wine, cheering Andy on, you know. Well, exactly. That's people off. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, but that's another thing. That's what happens when you don't prosecute these low tier people. Peter Strzok does it as well. Oh, it you makes my I mean? blood it, boil. Yeah, but that's, this is what happens when you can lie to the DOJ and you can lie and there is no repercussions. This is what happens when you do not go under these low tier people. But I think what it does is it really highlights the hypocrisy because right now in the news, there's been so much about this whole Roger Stone case and the Flynn case. And those two got the book slapped at them for um, lying or, you know, in in Flynn's case, I don't even believe that he lied. I think that they was all set up from the beginning, but he got the book thrown at him and Roger Stone too for the same thing that Andy McCabe did. And you you can just see right there, plain as day, the hypocrisy, the two-tier justice system. Oh, yeah. And then and then the left comes in and starts ranting and raving. And I don't have her tweet in front of me, but Pelosi's tweet the other day was just so wrong on so many levels, as they all typically are, ranting about how, forget about impeaching Barr. He needs to be completely disbarred and da-da-da-da-da. Because of that, because of bringing in the special prosecutor, and because Trump then you know, pardoned seven people and commuted sentences of four people, including uh, Rod Blagojevich and Bernie Kerik and the former San Francisco 49ers, the owner. So there was a lot of uh, spin coming out of the left saying that Barr is under Trump's thumb. And that's been happening for ages. They've been after Barr for goodness. Oh, I know. And then I don't even remember who it was. Some, some, 
paper came out with uh, some news source came out saying that Barr said he's going to quit because Trump keeps continuing on with all his tweets, which was a total lie. Yeah, I got more information on that. I'll tell you guys. Oh, this is funny. But first, I want to back up real quick because it kind of like I have like a preface to that Barr story that will make it make more sense. Wait, before you get into that, let me just run by a couple numbers really fast having to do with these pardons because Donald Trump Jr. put out a tweet that was fantastic. He says, Dems are mad at Trump for abusing his pardon power. And he lists off from Carter, Ray, you know, Carter, 566, Reagan, 406, Bush, 77, Bush Sr., Cigar Bill, 459, George W., 200, Obama, 1,927, and Trump is sitting at 26. Right. Okay. <laughs> Total abuse of power there. Puts it in perspective. The timing on the on the pardons is interesting. I have a theory on that as well. I think that they are goading the left. I think that they're playing oh, yeah. right into their hands, that they're trying to drum up this just hatred uh, so that the left makes some sort of mistake. I think that, they, that they're doing it purposely. I don't think that necessarily that these pardons or whatever are unjustified. I just find the timing interesting and strategic because they're trying to get a reaction. There's a desired reaction that they want to get from the left from it. Right. That's my perspective. But so back to this anonymous, so this, to this uh, story I wanted to tell you guys, it's about the anonymous. They're, they're an insider in the White House. They wrote this book back in November, describes Trump as, you know, volatile, ha- questions that his mental ability, it, it clearly seems like it's some sort of preface to, you know, that this person's on a mission to set up some sort of predicate for the Dems to be able to pursue the 25th Amendment to remove Trump. So the press has been asking Trump about it every time they get him in front of a mic, you know, if he knows who the, who anonymous is. Well, Trump has been pressed on this and regularly, and he said uh, this week that he knows who anonymous is. So a reporter asked, is there a search underway for anonymous? And Trump responded, I know who it is. I can't tell you. And then he went on to say, I know who it is. And I know who some of the leakers are. But I know all about Anonymous, and I know all about the leakers, too. We know a lot. In fact, when I want to get something out to the press, I tell certain people, and it's amazing. It gets out there. But so far, I'm leaving it that way. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. So this is what I'm talking about. Moves and counter moves. They think they're so smart. They have these moles inside the White House. Trump knows all about them, that he knows who they are, and he's using them. So that leads me to think that this next story that I'm about to tell you, this BS rumor about Barr and, and Trump, you know, this sort of fight between them and, and Barr wants to resign. I feel like it's all just, you know, theatrics and that these leakers that Trump knows all about and is using have something to do with it. That leads me into this Barr story. So uh, this week AP reported that the, that a Trump administration official not a DOJ official, a Trump administration official told them that Barr told people close to them that he's considering quitting his position since Trump won't stop tweeting about Justice Department <laughs> cases. <laughs> Doesn't that sound like a bit like some high school rumor, you know? Yeah, it's I was like, just thinking that. Yeah, but it's like playing telephone. It's like, 
I heard from so and so <laughs> who told so and so that so and so said. No, it's so dumb. So, anyways, the press runs with it. It's all over the news that Barr's going to quit because of Trump's tweets. And this administration official was not authorized to discuss Barr's private remarks and requested anonymity. Well, what does that sound like? That sounds a lot like these anonymous leakers that Trump knows all about in the White right. House. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways. We got another whistleblower. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, we know the story's all BS. In fact, a, per- a spokesperson for Barr came out shortly after refuting this report, stating that Barr has no plans to resign. What's interesting about this, though, is it goes back to the fact that Trump has this and his close staff know who the leakers are. And Trump has said that it's amazing how he can say things to certain people and they and it leaks out to the press. So this whole feud between Trump and Barr it just p- appears to me to be kabuki theater, you know? Oh, yeah, and, absolutely. And why are they doing it? Well, perhaps it's just to confirm who the leakers are. So maybe they you know, we'll tell someone something and wait to see if it gets out to the press. Well, it's um, a great distraction too. Right. Maybe they want to show, you know, how the press is reporting fake news because it came out shortly after that the DO, you know, a DOJ spokesperson said, no, this is all fake news. Barr's not planning on quitting. Right. And, and we had Avenatti, Michael Avenatti, found guilty on all charges for trying to extort $20 million from Nike. You know, the ones that Dems propped up forever. Creepy porn lawyer running for president, and even Stormy Daniels cheered when she found out. Well, he took her for a ride too, didn't he? Yeah, I think and so. And I, I, don't, I don't mean that in a sexual way. <laughs> His energy, I mean, the, the arrogance. I, I don't think I've oh, ever yeah. observed anyone so arrogant and um, just a slithery snake, you know? So, so now Dems are having to, you know, eat that. I just love looking back at Avenatti tweets. <laughs> I, I, I love looking back at Avenatti interviews where they're like propping him up and he had this Jesus energy about him and he was going to beat Trump and it was going to be amazing. I love saying that shit. Come back and buy the media. Oh, it's aged like a fine wine. I should actually, I screenshot several of his tweets back in the day. I should pull those up and I could make a really funny, some really funny memes out of those. But I have more important things to do. So did you guys see the, um, the Boy Scouts are filing bankruptcy amid hundreds, hundreds of sexual abuse lawsuits? So last year in court, they, there was testimony showed that the organization believed there were more than 7,800 former Boy Scout leaders that were involved in sexually abusing 12,000 children over the course of 72 years. Now what's going to happen is all of these lawsuits that have been filed, these people, you know, those are now just kaput and these people are going to have to file claims in bankruptcy court. And of course, this just follows suit with exactly what the Catholic Church did. They filed bankruptcy also when all the pedophiles within the churches were exposed. And I did a whole report on that a while back. If anyone hasn't, you know, is not informed on that whole topic, they connect in with a lot of trafficking nests. So, wow. That's, yeah, that's, that's full on. But like we know predators find these sort of jobs that are close to children. 
Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, they're extremely intelligent when it comes to finding those sort of positions that will give them access to children. Teachers, lawyers, doctors, judges, police officers, you name it. In fact, you just did, Edge, the article called Taking Down the Kingpin of Child Porn. We just published on my site. Excellent article. You want to tell people about that a little bit? Sure. This is a a story that extends over several years. It started back in 2008. The most recent update was just this month. So it's about a man named Eric Marquez, who was a, a dual citizen, born in New York, but really lived in Ireland most of his life. And uh, he created a hosting service on the dark web that hosted several child porn sites. And it was a massive hub, meaning like millions and millions, like 8.5 million videos, images of child porn. Uh, And it wasn't just child porn sites that he hosted. But the the amount of child porn that was hosted by Freedom Hosting, his his um, service, is just massive. And so he was dubbed literally the largest facilitator in the world. Of and this went down to like toddlers and infants, right? Yes, and I did not even get into the details because they are gruesome. Yeah, but the FBI did an investigation. First of all, Anonymous took down you know the Anonymous hacking group. Yeah, they took yeah. down like forty sites. And one of those sites in particular, Lolita City, um, was hosted by Freedom Hosting. And then they published some... um, Interesting name. Yeah. Some of the identities of the users. And then coincidentally, it was just the next year that the FBI launched this investigation into two particular sites. We don't know which particular sites. I'm guessing it might, one of them might have been Lolita City. But uh, because that was a big one. But so they investigated these sites for a couple of years. And then through that investigation, they were able to track down Freedom Hosting and ultimately find Eric Marquez, who was in Dublin, Ireland. And I just talk about the whole process of them tracking him down and finding him. And then um, the process of getting him extradited, that was a really long process. I didn't get into huge detail about the extradition, but that went on. That was a battle that went on for six years trying to get him here. And we finally did um, in March of 2019. And then he just had a court hearing and pleaded guilty February 2020 to facilitating uh, and advertising child porn on his hosting service. So he's facing, you know, 15 to 21 years, possibly even up to 30. Um, he'll, we'll get, see. He'll, get, he'll get more. Yeah, the, uh, the judge gets to decide that the, they requested 15 to 21 years as part of the plea agreement, but we'll see. And then also what was super interesting about it was that um, right after he was taken down and apprehended, like just a few days later, um, the site was taken down. But not just that, some of the sites that had child porn on them were reportedly infected with JavaScript exploits. And uh, what that did was it made it possible for anyone to be able to obtain their IP address and their identity. Users of the sites were exposed. So um, I have a feeling that it wasn't just Eric Marquez that was taken down in this process. I think that right. um, that was just the beginning and it led them on a trail of thousands 
of other people, users and site owners. I don't think you'll get out of jail. They'll handle him in there. Oh, probably. You know, you, you see all these stories of these people being take down, taken down. We've seen so many, so many stories like this, but with, you know, even smaller scale ones, but still like thousands of children. And you just wonder how many of these children, every now and then we'll get one where they'll say they were able to rescue 20 children or they were able to trace them by the videos and find out, you know, locate them and, and rescue them. And I just, God, I can't imagine. I can't imagine being the teams working on this. And uh, I hope that they're, they are able to trace down some of these children. Surely they will. That's got to be a tough, tough job because those investigators, and I understand that we have problems with the FBI, that the top echelon of the FBI is really right. crooked and we're working that out. But I know that there are many, many people in the FBI that are doing really good work. And oh, I, just, yeah. I just feel for these investigators that had to go through one million videos and images of mm. just one particular site you can't remove that imagery from your brain once you've seen it you know i had a friend that worked in the cyber department in uh, the melbourne police force down here they used to have to get psychological counseling i think it was like every month yeah uh, just to see if they were together or how they were feeling he didn't stay in that job for long he couldn't do it they get checked like every month it would be just a horrible job to have but also a rewarding job in the end of the day if you're bringing these people down but you know you suffer for it mentally right Ab absolutely right. i mean these people are heroes that are that are going after these uh child predators and i i commend them for it but it is really really tough speaker tell us what's going on with the virginia gun ban victory oh that was good wasn't it we're getting some winning every now and then so Virginia's governor's bill to ban assault weapons fail, which only reason it failed, which was help from their own party. <laughs> so you had four Democratic representatives bailed on the bill. There is another six bills that are coming through, though. But this is really interesting that because we know with Virginia, for the first time in a long time, they actually took the governor's mansion. It just everything seemed like it was on the table for all these bans to just pass. And Virginia was going to be in some really, really big trouble. But, um, yeah, surprisingly, someone sent some luck. And these these four representatives have turned around and just kind of gone, nah. So this bill would have banned the sale or transfer of certain assault-style weapons. It would have also made it illegal to possess silencers and any magazines holding more than 12 rounds. Of course, uh, old Ralph Norton, you know, championed this legislation. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um and it was really, yeah, it's really good to see this first one get, get tabled. That was a good victory. Good victory. It was surprising, <laughs> too. So I'm kind of wondering what's going through some of these Democratic ranks here. Maybe they're wanting to get reelected. Or <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe, maybe they, don't, they don't want a civil war starting in Virginia. So then we had, God, there's just so many things that dropped. It's crazy. Um, yeah, there's a lot. Had the Soros asking Obama to investigate and Obama that, trying to take credit timing. for the economy. They're interesting timings too, that Obama would come out and do that as soon as that um, Soros news broke. That is interesting, the timing. Do you want me to talk about the Soros thing? Go ahead, roll with it. Well, 
Okay. We'll go into that, and then we'll go into Chris Murphy because I think we missed it. So we're going to say a little bit. About well, it. you should do your Obama thing after I do my Obama thing. Let's keep the Obamas together. They'll be sad if they're apart. <laughs> <laughs> so Alan Dershowitz gave an interview on Breitbart last Sunday where he explained that Obama ordered the FBI to investigate someone at the request of George Soros. And he says that he can't disclose details about who Obama ordered an investigation on at the request of Soros, but that it will all come out in an upcoming lawsuit. And he also said he is in possession of the actual 302 form, which documents this issue. He says, and quote, it will all at the right time come out. That statement right there is telling. It will all at the right time come out. It makes you think mm-hmm. that this is all part of a coordinated takedown of the deep state, that these things aren't just happening independently of each other, that there's just they're each one domino in a long line, and they'll each fall one after the other in a timely and orderly way. That's the way I see it. So who is this someone that Soros ordered Obama to investigate? Well, there's lots of speculation. Uh, you know, maybe it's Trump. It could have been a Democrat who they needed to compromise in order to get them to fall in line. Or maybe it was somebody in the press where they were covering the Ukraine story and George Soros is heavily involved in that. His NGO Antac was under investigation at the same time that Burisma was under investigation. So there's a lot of uh, possibilities there. I, I'm sure it will come out, as Alan Dershowitz says, at the right time. You know, shortly thereafter, um, Obama had tweeted out this statement and congratulating himself <laughs> for Trump's economy. <laughs> yeah, that was a good one. I had to retweet that one with four of my reports because he was talking about his, what was it called? Resolve something rather act. I can't remember what it was called that he was saying that it was because of him signing that act that the economy, you know, forged ahead for a whole decade. And I've covered some of his acts he signed in um, about at least four of my reports. So no, he's all about signing acts to uh, line the pockets of deep state. Certainly not to improve the economy. And I think everyone's aware of that. Not at all. So yeah. Chris Murphy, uh, this is something I have not, um, I have not looked into. I saw the headlines. Um, I saw an actual thread Chris Murphy did, and I actually retweeted it so I could read it later, and I just didn't get back to it because I've been working on my book. That thread is interesting. I'll get to that in a second. But the Democrat senator of Connecticut, Chris Murphy, and some other Democrats had a secret meeting with the Iranian Foreign Minister Zarif in a Munich security conference meeting last week. Now, the State Department said they were not aware or notified of any side meetings with Iranian officials that Murphy was engaged in. This news came out on Monday. It, It broke on Monday. And then President Trump, he was in a press conference just as the news broke out. And he said, I saw that Senator Murphy met with the Iranians. Is that, is that a fact? I just saw that on the way over. Is there anything I should know? Because that sounds like, to me, a violation of the Logan Act. And then he goes on to say, they ought to find out about that if it's true. This, this blew up on Monday. 
And then Senator Murphy actually tweeted a thread on this. It's a long thread, so I can't read it all. But it's it's insane that he even admitted it because this could potentially be a violation of the Logan Act. So, but he did tweet out that and admitting it, he said, "I met with the Iranian foreign minister in Munich. It's dangerous not to talk to adversaries, especially amidst a cycle of escalation." Say so this once again. It's this two-tier justice system. Where's the grunt to pull this bastard in? Like there has to be something he's committed legally wrong here in some way, shape, or form. Drag the bastard in and deal with him. Like it's just I don't understand it. I don't understand why Republicans are so passive. I I get it. I get the frustration. We see the two-tier justice system everywhere. We see the hypocrisy. We see the criminality and so many things that they're doing and and how they're calling out Barr and Trump. It's it's such hypocrisy. I get that. The projection's just going to get more hardcore as time goes on. And uh, it's like, the speaking of a two-tier system, Trump tweeted out, he says, is corrupt Bloomberg News going to say what a pathetic debater mini mike is that he doesn't respect our great farmers or that he has violated campaign finance laws at the highest and most sinister level with payoffs all over the place mm-hmm. did you guys see those insane videos it was awkward it was uncomfortable just watching them they were so creepy weird and then i was trying to discern wait are these like new is he doing this as part of his campaign or is this like old footage that was found on him I think that some of them, uh, the, the ones I saw were old, but yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, this guy is the oh. most racist, arrogant. It's almost as bad as corn pop, but. Oh, right. <laughs> God. And the fact that, again, like I keep saying, every three to four weeks, the news cycle is Hillary's going to run for president. Okay. Now she's going to be his running mate. And I'm sorry, I'm not buying it. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I'm just, I just don't see it. I don't see that. And I don't see this Michelle Obama shit. I don't see it. I never did see it. I don't understand the story behind it. And it's, too late in a lot of these states anyway to even register if they're vps they could pick up a vp you know down the road he's gonna be on the actual debate stage tonight isn't he it's wednesday i remember uh i think my dad told me last week or something he goes you know he's finally gonna be on the debate stage that'll be interesting that's almost worth recording just to see what this guy's gonna do because as up to this point he's just thrown around millions of dollars oh i know the advertisements buy his way in whenever you're just searching on youtube or and you pull up any random video the first commercial is a bloomberg commercial have you noticed that i mean it's like everywhere i have no doubt i've been so buried in research and writing that i haven't actually uh spent a lot of time on youtube recently (laughs) but i have no doubt yeah well he's he's clearly buying the election well buying the nominee anyway which I kind of had a feeling that he would do. It's really funny to see how much the media has stuck up for him, of course, because he owns the majority of it. But they've come out and they've backed him heaps. And this little this little meme fight that's going on between him and Trump at the moment, it's ridiculous coming from his end, but you can exactly see what he's trying to do. Mm-hmm. He's, he's trying to take exactly the tactic that Trump does and failing uh, miserably. Totally oh, failing. failing. Yeah, it, it just comes off all wrong. It's, it's, it comes off weird. It, it, it comes off real 
it's clearly not him. It's like awkward it's, and uncomfortable, isn't it? It is. <laughs> With an very, essence of creepy in there. It's very creepy, man. It's just, it's hard to watch. Bloomberg Philanthropies is knee deep with Bill Gates in a lot of projects. And I don't know if people are that aware of that, but can I just roll into Gates? Yep. Okay. So I'm like rubbing my hands together. Okay. So chapter three, (laughs) chapter three, I've been busting my tail on because it's about the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. And if people are just new to this podcast, I have a book on the AIDS, HIV AIDS, you know, 90 billion in US taxpayer dollars is a slush fund. So I've already put out chapters one and two. I'm working on three. It's probably going to be 25 chapters long. And, you know, I was looking at this going, okay, well, this chapter's up to 30 pages already and I'm still writing it, which I intend on publishing. I said by the end of this week, so I'm going to stick to that, but it could end up being Friday night realistically because there's like a handful of things in red. I got to like just triple check on. So anyways, it's probably going to end up being like freaking 800 or thousand page book by the time I'm done realistically. But this is a really key chapter because they are central to this whole thing. I mean, they are, they are like the meat of it. And in chapter two, I got into the Global Fund, which is also Bill Gates, co-founder. And so this is the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. And without going into like the whole chapter, I break down the money flow, the scandals, their involvement with the Global Fund, their partnerships, you know, they claim to be humanitarians, but they're investors. And they get a return on their investment for everything they do. And it is this, this perfect little wheel they have going. Let me just give you an example. So here's something I don't know if many people know. So Warren Buffett kind of teamed up with Bill Gates. Back in 2006, Bill and Melinda Gates decided, let's split off and add another element, another layer to this. So we have the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, which started in uh, 2000. And then in 2006, they say, now let's do the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation Trust. And oh, that same year, Warren Buffett says, well, I want to do an endowment and I'm going to give you all these shares in Berkshire Hathaway. So every year, you're going to get all these shares to the trust. Meanwhile, all their investments, their stocks and bonds, they're in, oh, I mean, they're invested in a lot of things in China. We got collateralized mortgages. We've, we've holy cow. To, get, to put this in perspective, their 2018 tax return for the trust is 1,444 pages long. So this is what I've been doing for the past four days. And basically what we have is it's like an investment gathering, <laughs> non profit. Okay. It's a nonprofit. And so all this money gets funneled into there, which they are sitting on $51 billion in assets. Then just as an example, so the 2018 tax returns is 8.5 billion in net investment income. They then of course, because they're a nonprofit, they have to give some of that away. So we're going to give $5.6 billion to a charity. What charity? The Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Now we're going to take that and we're going to go, well, you know, we still have to take care of Gavi, which is theirs, the Global Fund, which they're co-founders of and run, the Bill and Melinda Gates Medical Research Institute, which probably not many people know about because that's an all new gig, and the Gates Philanthropy Partners, which is also a new gig. And we're going to give them a slice of the pie. So we're now moving into our other nonprofits. We're going to move some funds over there. Then we're going to give millions of dollars 
actually billions by the time you add it all up, to all of our friends who have NGOs. And we're going to circle that money around. And some of that's going to come back to us through the global fund. Now, while we're doing that, we're going to invest in the pharmaceutical industry. So we've got tons of stocks in the pharmaceutical industry, but we're also going to partner with them and team up with them because we need to control the whole freaking industry. So we're investing in partnerships too, and then they're giving us over their licenses, and then we're acting as the negotiator, and we're marketing these, and we're buying some of this, and then we're selling it off to other countries, and they're completely getting a return on their investment in all of this while our government is funding them. And they've already funded the Global Fund, $18 billion. They've also funded Gavi, which is my next chapter. That's chapter four. But I go into great detail. I'm sure you can imagine. <laughs> I, I line itemize all the money and get down into the UN factions and their involvement, some big scandals, big pharma, not just big pharma, but the Ivy Leagues. I show how all the Ivy Leagues and the universities are involved too, because of course they're funding them because they need them to write up the reports that show the necessity of the agendas that they're carrying out. And I show scandals there as well. So everyone's got to come in and read this when I get this published by, you know, midnight Friday. <laughs> Seems like it's just a big circle. The money goes in a big circle. They're lining each other's pockets, driving the agenda. And then the top dogs, the who, and, you know, NIH and all the other policy makers out there, they are completely in bed with and completely paid off. They're one of the single largest donors to the WHO at, to the tune of over $3 billion so far. So, so, yeah, they control the entire health industry. And when I say they, I'm not talking about Bill Gates, who, in my opinion, is nothing more than a face to a bank that is a revolving door that these people can operate out of in order to carry out these agendas, not just in the health industry, but in agriculture and food and a lot of other areas, you know, the whole climate change hoax, sustainability, infrastructure, tourism, hotels, you name it. I have it all in this report. I don't see how anyone, anyone could read this and see all this evidence and think they're humanitarians. Can't wait to read it. Yeah. And I only got about another 20 NGOs to go after this one. <laughs> <laughs> Bill and Melinda Gates one is definitely going to be full of bombshells, I'm sure. It's like they're at the spearhead of the agenda. Um, because the central bank. Right, right. They are the funders of it all. And like you said, it's just a revolving door. And some of it ends up back. Like they end up donating, but then some of that kind of gets kicked back. Completely. And it's all tax-free. You know, I think I should start an NGO. I think I need a nonprofit. No, Corey, don't do it. <laughs> because the amount of freaking money I have to give our government for blood money to these people infuriates me more as each day goes on. I'm ready to go like be one of those people that chains myself to a tree until I get the attention. Freaking end taxes. But then you're going to be hanging with all the climate change people. Be careful which tree you pick, love. Hey, I, I can be a hippie with a different cause. <laughs> <laughs> what this book is going to reveal is not just all the scandals of all these NGOs and UN factions and um, how this all operates with arms of our government 
but it, it's it's basically showing kind of like the outline of how these systems have worked for so long to basically bleed us all dry by the trillions. They're using us. We are their funders. It's disgusting mm-hmm. to me. It really is. Uh, when I think about like Obama tweeting out and bragging about how that huge recovery act bill was, you know, the cause for our economy being so great. I remember that bill. It was like $840 billion just thrown in the trash. We all paid for that. I guarantee you a lot of that went into the lining pockets and NGOs and foundations, a big money laundering scheme. He's in on this too. I have him in, um, I mentioned him in the timeline in chapter one. He's very much in on on pushing this AIDS agenda. He was very involved in the transgender agenda. Very, like millions of dollars there. You know, bought off by the Pritzker family. And um, gosh, I'm trying to think of the other couple of reports. I've, I've reported on him a handful of times. He will find another place in this book later on down the road as well. So it's frustrating because he can tweet something like that and people just people just buy it. Because they don't, they don't research. They have no clue what that act was. They have, you know what I mean? It's amazing how naive of a culture we've become and how complacent and how easy it is to trust and believe, you know, for some people to just trust and believe the words that come out of these corrupt mouths. And it's nice to see that tide changing, all of this being uncovered now. It is nice. Despite all the indoctrination, um, you know, I think about how there's so little actual education and it's just so much indoctrination. Programming, just programming. Programming. I want you to believe. And then I see the product of that, of, you know, eight years of that. So we have a whole generation coming up into college now who mm-hmm. went through the Obama administration and have such a hatred for Trump, you know, and then I, you see how these college-age kids behave on campuses against conservatives or people who think outside of the brainwashed ideology. It would be really interesting to take a road trip and hit like 20 different campuses and just randomly go up to, say, 50 people at each campus and ask their insights on some of this, some different topics, different areas, different agendas, politics, all of it. I think that would make a very fascinating documentary where people's minds are at. Take a little sampling. Yes, yes, yes. All right, guys. So thanks for joining us here on Dig It with the speaker, myself, the Sharp Edge, and Corey Lynn of Corey's Digs. Please be sure to share this podcast. We're now on Google Play, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and of course, YouTube. We'll see you back next time right here on Dig It. Stay ravenous.